Scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 8, and I'm actually going to stop after verse 11. I don't think we're going to get any further than that this morning. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the, of the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. May God bless the reading of His Word. Yeah, I know we just finished Advent, and so uh, it's been a while since we've been in the book of Romans, but before Advent, we looked together at Romans chapter 7. And what we learned from Romans chapter 7 is that God's law is good. God's ways are good. And we learned that you know God's law works kind of like a home inspector. You know, if you've ever bought a house, and if you've ever had to get a loan for a house, or even if you've just bought a house cash, you probably still uh, you know, went out and got a home inspector to come and inspect the house because we all know that the house can look great on the outside. You know, the paint can look wonderful. Everything can be fine. But there are some hidden things that you may not see just at first glance. But the home inspector goes in, inspects all the ins and outs of the house and lets you know uh, how the structure actually is uh, doing, if it's, it's intact or not. And so God's law acts you know, kind of like that home inspector. In our ha- if our lives were houses, the home inspector would come and reveal the fact that we have a foundation problem. We have a serious problem that cannot be fixed by our own skill. And maybe you can relate to that, you know, just your own home. Maybe there's been repairs that you said, you know what? This is beyond my expertise. (laughs) I need to call in some experts to deal with this issue. Well, that's kind of how it is with our lives. The law of God reveals to us a problem, a foundational problem that cannot be solved in our own effort. That we have to call in some help. And the help comes from God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's through what Christ has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection that we can have our lives restored and kind of put back together, so to speak, and have our foundation problem fixed. And because of that foundation problem, uh, we, we have to, like Romans 7 talks about, 
It's revealed by God's law and it drives us to the one who can bring about the fix, which is God himself through Christ. And, you know, this is what Christianity is all about. I mean, Christianity is about God loving us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to deal with our sin problem and to rise from the dead, ushering in a new reality for those who unite with him. Because God is the only one who can repair our broken lives. He's the only one who can fix our foundation. And we learned in Romans 7 that God through Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin. Okay, so he's brought a fix to that broken issue that we've had in our lives. But we also learned in Romans 7, the latter part of Romans 7, that even though we've been set free from the power of sin and death... Uh, to live for God on this side of heaven is still a struggle. I mean, it's still a battle. And the good news is, and what we're going to read in Romans 8, is that even though it is a struggle, it is a battle, God has not left us alone in that struggle. And that's why Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So even though life's a struggle, you know, we struggle from a position, though, of acceptance by God. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ, meaning that if you're in Christ, we still struggle with temptation, but we don't struggle from a position of uh, rejection, but rather a position of acceptance. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. So we are accepted and loved by God because of what Christ has done for us. We've been made right with God. And out of that position of acceptance and love, we move forward with God. And so Romans 8 tells us that we are not left to struggle alone, but yet we live out this life on this side of heaven um, from a position of acceptance by God in Christ, but also we've been given a helper, someone to come and help us move forward with God and live for God. You know, up to this point in the book of Romans, uh, the Holy Spirit has only been mentioned a few times. But in this chapter alone, uh, the Holy Spirit's mentioned almost 20 times. And so there's going to be an emphasis here on the Holy Spirit, what his role is in our lives. And so God has not left us alone, but he has given his spirit to his people to help us live in the way he wants us to live. So to help us understand how the Holy Spirit helps us live for God, I want to share with you three truths from this passage. First, I want to tell you who the Holy Spirit is. And then second, I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit does. And then third, I want to tell you how we live according to the Spirit. Okay? So the first truth I want to look at is who the Holy Spirit is. And we're given a quick glimpse of who He is in verses 9 and 10. Paul writes, You, however, are not in the flesh. He's talking about those who are in Christ, who have placed their faith in Christ. And so he says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So here's what we see in this short passage here. uh, that The Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of God. We see that in verse 9. And also, the Holy Spirit is referred to as 
the Spirit of Christ. And so what we can deduce from this is that the Spirit is divine. And we also know that the Spirit, although He shares in the divinity with the Father and the Son, He is also unique. For example, Jesus said in John 14, 25 and 26, He says to His disciples, He says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we see the Holy Spirit is divine, and yet He is unique in His person and role. And the church historically has explained this concept of God using the term Trinity. That God is triune, and that there is one God, and yet He exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. Now obviously we could go in much more detail uh, with that, and we will on Wednesday nights. So a little plug for the Wednesday night Bible study. So if you want to go in more detail, then you want to be here for that. But I don't have time to go into the detail now. But what I want you to walk away with from this passage is that the Holy Spirit is divine. And the Holy Spirit has a special role in the life of the Christian. Which leads to the second truth I want to share with you from this passage. And that is, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is his role? What does he do? So we read in the passage that the Holy Spirit is involved in the life of the Christian from the beginning to the end. So you look at verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So from this verse we see that the Holy Spirit, who is referred to as the law of the Spirit of life, is involved in applying what Christ has accomplished to our lives. So the, whole, the Holy Spirit is involved in that initial act of conversion. When we choose to place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is involved in that act and applies the gospel to our lives. So he's active in our initial uh, coming to faith in Christ. And then in verse 4 we read that we are to walk according to the Spirit. That those in the Spirit are to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. In verse 5, we read that we are to live according to the Spirit by setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Paul tells the Christian in verse 9 that the Christian is in the Spirit and that the Spirit dwells in him. So the Spirit's presence in the life of the Christian is to direct and enable him to live like Jesus. You know, one, one pastor put it this way. He said, Through the Spirit, we experience something of Jesus' disposition, his kindness, his gentle care, his love in our lives. As we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, we are filled with the ethos of Jesus. And life becomes more and more to us what it was and is to Him. So the work of the Spirit within the life of the Christian is to make the Christian more like Jesus. You know, more like Jesus and how Jesus loved God, how Jesus loved others, how Jesus obeyed the Father, how Jesus loved what was good, right, and true. This, this is what the Spirit is doing in the life of the Christian. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes... Um, we can tend to think of the role of the Holy Spirit 
you know, that, that the Holy Spirit's going to give us some type of superpower. You know, uh, you know that if if we're filled with the Spirit, we're just going to have like superhuman strength, or like join the the cast of the Avengers or something. You know, it's like the Spirit is going to give us something like supernatural in the sense that we're going to be so strong, or we're going to be able to speak languages that we never studied, or touch people and they'll be healed. Now, don't get me wrong. You read the Bible, you see those things that actually happen. I mean, you read about Samson. I mean, you read about the early disciples. Uh, they healed people. They spoke in languages they never studied. However, I would say that is not the normative way the Spirit works. And let me tell you why. Because when we look at our lives, I know when I look at my life, I don't see evidence of that. I don't see, uh, of course, I'm not very strong. And, uh, you know, never been given super strength like Samson. I've never touched anybody and they've never been physically healed. And I've never spoken languages that I've never studied. And I'm not saying that never happens. But what I am saying is that that is not the primary role of the Spirit. According to what I'm going to share with you right now. What we see is that the primary role of the Spirit, even though the Spirit may gift certain people with those types of gifts like Samson, disciples, etc. The primary role of the Spirit is to change us from the inside out. That is what the Spirit does to every Christian. And this is why I want you to, to hear this. and Because I don't want you to think about, well, since I don't have this ability, then I must not be filled with the Spirit. Uh, because I think that is a wrong way to think about the role of God's Spirit in your life. What I want to help you see is that the normative way, what God's Spirit does in every Christian's life is to change us from the inside out. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he writes about what the Spirit is seeking to produce in the life of the Christian. And I want you to notice that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he doesn't say that the fruit of the Spirit is super strength or linguistics or healing powers. Even though, like I said, those are specific gifts that are scattered throughout the body of Christ over time. But the normative way the Spirit works is that He produces this. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. Self-control. So if you're a Christian, then that is what the Spirit is doing in your life. Regardless of your gifting, that is what the Spirit does, is He produces that type of life in the Christian, described by those traits, that fruit. And so the primary role of the Holy Spirit, simply put, is to enable and direct the Christian to become more like Jesus. So the Spirit directs and enables a person to be who God intended them to be. The Spirit was involved in our initial coming to faith in Christ. He continues to be involved in the life of the Christian. And in verse 11 we read that the Spirit will be involved in our resurrection on the last day. Look at verse 11. It says, if the Spirit of Him, he's talking about the, the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, talking about God the Father, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So even though we've been freed from the law of sin and death, we've read that all throughout Romans here, 
Your bodies are still mortal, meaning that they will cease to function properly and they will die. And notice that our hope for the as Christians, our hope is that just as God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, He will raise our bodies from the dead as well. And notice that He will do so through His Spirit that dwells in you. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the Christian from the beginning to the end to make us more like Jesus. And so, so far we've looked at, okay, this is who the Holy Spirit is. This is what He does. Now the million dollar question is, well, how do I live according to the Spirit, right? I mean, what does that look like? How do you do that? Right? That's, that should, you should be thinking that. Like, okay, this is the Spirit. This is who the Holy Spirit is. God gives every Christian His Spirit. This is what He produces in the life of the Christian. Well, how do I live according to the Spirit? Paul says you need to live according to the Spirit. Well, okay, how do I do that? And I'll be the first to admit... That there is some mystery here. There is some mystery uh, to the working of the Spirit and how we cooperate with Him on a daily basis. But what I find helpful is to begin with what we know. Okay? And so Paul tells us in verses 5 through 8, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So here it is. According to Paul, the way we live according to the Spirit is to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Any questions on that? (laughs) Well, it leads to another question, right? And that is, well, Ron, okay, I got that. Well, what are the things of the Spirit? Right? Because that's the question. Well, to live according to the Spirit, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. All right? Well, what are those things? Well, well, remember, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of Christ. And so the things of the Spirit are the things of God, right? And so... We're given a hint in verse 7 where Paul says that if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, then you don't submit to God's law. And this implies that if you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, then you do submit to God's law or God's word or God's way of doing life. And so this implies that if you are setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, then you are setting your mind on the things of God revealed in His word, God's law. And so how do we know God's law or how God wants us to live, what God wants us to do? Well, the way we know that is through the Bible. So when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're setting your mind on the truths of God as revealed in Scripture. And another verse that helps, I think, back this up is in Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. In verse 17, he tells us that if we want to live for God and take up this full armor of God, that we need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So so the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change us and make us into the people that God wants us to be. So, the things of the Spirit are the things of God as revealed in the Word of God. 
So now how do we set our minds on those things? Now, have your, have your parents ever um, told you to set the table? Okay. <clears throat> you, know, you set the table. Well, how do you set the table? Well, it depends on what kind of event you're planning, right? If you're doing a formal dinner, the way you set the table is you find your, your nice plates and you put them out on the table. You put out your silverware along with a nice glass. Uh, but if you're setting the table for a pizza party for a bunch of teenagers, you do it a little different, right? You bring out the paper plates, the paper cups, and a roll of paper towels. At least that's how we do it. And so it's different. So you set the table differently depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Like what, what, what kind of event you're planning. Well, what we see here in the passage is that you know, we are all setting the table of our lives in a certain way. Everybody's setting their table of their lives a certain way. And it all is determined by what we're setting our minds on. And we're all setting our minds on something. We're all living for something. We're all driven by something. And Paul actually boils it down and says, you know what? When, he, when it gets down to it, there's only really two motivations to a life. You're either setting your mind on the things of the flesh, which can be categorized as everything apart from God. You're building your life apart from God. Or you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. You're building your life on God and on a relationship with Him out of love for God. And so Paul says, you know, there's many things you can live for, you'd be driven by, but when you really boil it down to the simplest form, you get two options. You're either setting your mind on the flesh or you're setting your mind on the Spirit. So Paul writes that if you're in Christ, in this passage we learned that we've been set free from the law of sin and death. Our wills have been free, like I mentioned earlier, to live for God, to choose God, choose righteousness. And not only that, but we've been given the Spirit of God to direct us and empower us to live for God. But every day we have a choice. Every moment we have a choice, right? What are we going to set our minds on? How are we going to set the table of our lives? And so what does this look like on a daily basis? So if you're a Christian... What does it look like to live according to the Spirit today? Every day. What does that look like? Well, I think in order to do that, you have to do some math. You all ready for some math? Some of us like math. I've I've lost like half of you. You're already thinking lunch, okay? But stick with me. This is simple math here. If we're going to live according to the Spirit, there's going to be some things that we need to add, and there are going to be some things we need to subtract. Okay? And so, if you're going to, uh, if you, what, what you're going to need to do, if you want to live according to the Spirit, you're going to need to add to your day whatever you need to add to set your mind on God. Okay, so you're just going to think about your own life. What do you need to add to your day so that you're setting your mind on God? This may mean uh, adding some time to pray in the morning. This may mean, you know... Before I put my feet to the ground, I'm going to go to God in prayer. Because I need to set my mind on God. I need to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I want to live according to the Spirit today. So maybe it means adding some time reading the Scripture. We know that's what, that's what the Spirit uses to bring transformation in our lives. 
And so maybe it means uh, adding some time to read the Scripture or memorize Scripture or listening to worship music. But basically what you need to do is think about what do you need to add to your day to set your mind on the things of God. And I would even say first thing in the morning. Let's get the day started off on, on, a, on the right foot. <clears throat> so you'll need to think about that. Think about how, what you need to add. But you're also going to need to think about what you need to subtract. You know, living according to the Spirit means adding but also subtracting. And uh, you need to subtract from your day whatever you need to subtract in order to keep your mind set on the things of God. And to live life the way God wants you to live your life. And, and basically, there's just some things we don't need to allow to come into our minds. I mean, there are some things that come into our minds that distract us and take our focus off what God wants for us. And I believe there's a place for you know, entertainment and leisure and cell phones and computers and books and music and television. But we have to ask ourselves, you need to ask yourself, am I allowing any of these things to take my focus off God? And steer my mind away from the things of God and to the things of the flesh. How are these things helping me set my mind on the things of God? Because these could be wonderful things, leisure, entertainment, books, cell phones, all these different things that we we use to gather information and uh, entertainment and whatnot. But they can also be detrimental uh, to our walk with God. And so... You need to think about what you're letting in, and you may need to subtract some things. You know, you may need to subtract some shows or subtract some leisure that you're participating in or subtract some screen time or whatever it may be. And when we live according to the Spirit, here's what Paul tells us. You know, we, to live according to the Spirit, we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, okay? the things of God as revealed in the Word of God. And he says, with that mindset, not only do we please God when we do that, but we experience life and peace. And I'm just wondering, who would like that? I mean, anybody? Anybody want life and peace? Uh, Yeah, we'd like that. So, you want to experience life and peace? Live according to the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And obviously, he's talking about life and peace, eternal life, eternal peace with God. That's included in that for sure. But also that means that we can experience some of that even now. Life, peace, as we seek to live according to the Spirit. So if that's what you want, if that's what you want, then do some math. A little adding, a little subtracting, and set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's uh, very clear to us to speak to who you are. Uh, to who, who we are in Christ, that we are your sons and daughters, that we have been given your spirit, uh, that you uh, have plans for us, that you want us to live a certain way so that we can experience life and peace. And Lord, I just pray you'd help each one of us today. Just think about, you know, is there anything I need to add that would help me set my mind on you? Is there anything I need to subtract uh, that may be steering my mind away from uh, things that you would want me to think about, things that you would have me to do um, and meditate on. God, would you, would you make that clear to each person? And God, would we uh, be intentional about setting the tables of our lives in a way uh, that is pleasing to you? 
We thank you for this new year. We just pray that this new year will give us greater vision uh, for who you are and who you want us to be and how you want to work in and through us this year as your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.